Happy Halloween weekend. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr of the BWI Daily Edition, a full slate of football and one of America's most favorite holidays because everyone gets involved on Halloween, except for us here on the Daily Edition. I almost texted Ryan Sider and said, dude, we should dress up for the Friday show, but I kind of figured that wasn't going to happen. No. Am I right? Uh, I got to dress up Sunday for trick or treat. My yeah. kids are Hulk, baby Hulk, because my my youngest is like literally the Hulk. He climbs everything, and <laughs> so, uh, way, he's, he's stronger than me probably. And then my oldest is Spider Man, so I got to figure out which Avenger I'm going to be. I'll probably have to run out to Party City tomorrow and grab whatever's uh, left on the shelf, basically. But uh, put on a yeah. suit and say you're Agent Coulson. That's I always uh, who's a, who's Agent Coulson. I don't know who that is. Oh, Sorry. oh man. Okay. I actually have watched the Avengers, but I, I don't, you it, know, I know the superheroes, but that's so it. spoiler alert for something that came out in 2012, almost 10 years ago. He's the dude that gets stabbed by Loki in the Avengers. And then they all go and beat up Loki at the end. So he's the dude who sacrifices himself. So he's, my point is if you ever Over want a, Sorry. if you ever want, I'm an, yeah, I, I, I'm a nerd. Uh, if you ever want like a Avengers. cheap Halloween costume though, I always try to find a way to incorporate a suit, like men in black every year, just just a suit and a pen, and you're you're golden. That works. Uh, one year, because again, I'm a I'm a huge nerd. I was Tony Stark, so I just shaved in the Tony Stark stash stuff, and then mm -hmm. uh, I had like a blue, I just blue construction paper in a suit. That way, you get to. I like dressing up and looking fly, so it was super easy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna probably put an Iron Man mask on. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, out of the year. <laughs> I have one of those. My wife got it for me a while back. Anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, the the reason I I didn't dress up is I didn't have time to do it right. I always feel like if you're gonna go half ass and you're gonna like ah oh, I'm a thing, but sort of yeah. you gotta commit. So my wife was a, yeah. a, was a Jedi today, Sorry. and I was like, "So what? What's your what are you gonna do with your hair? You need to get like hair extensions." I was gonna buy her like thirty dollar hair extensions so she could have like the Jedi braid, and she's like, "I'm just gonna put this thing around my waist." And we got a laser sword from Walmart, not even like an actual lightsaber. So, I it's either all or nothing for me for Halloween. Awesome. I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the nothing guy, I guess. Sorry. Well, I will here get we are being for my kids. So, here we so. are being nothing together. So you're, you're not alone in that. Uh, so just like last week, we are here on the BWI Daily Edition. By the way, make sure you subscribe on YouTube so that you never miss any of this information because we have another future cast that you've logged this week, right? So tell us about what's going mm -hmm. on on the recruiting front for Penn State football. Yeah, not, not much. Um, has kind of so obviously Greg and I talked about this on Tuesday. I logged a, a pick for Joshua Miller, uh, six four. I kind of we have him at six six. He's six four, uh, three twenty ish. Uh, Life Christian Academy uh, offensive guard prospect. Uh, pretty pretty simple. I believe he's considering Clemson and Penn State. And I I, I know both schools want him because uh, that was the one thing we were trying to figure out. Clemson's still very much. Uh, pushing for him uh but i believe he's leaning towards penn state uh i don't i don't know if it's a done deal and he's still kind of um i guess hinting that it could be not a commitment so we'll see what happens there but i think penn state's the favorite after his visit the other week uh which goes to show you you know even even upset losses uh, can still result in good visits uh you know he had a lot of time or not a lot of time but some time with the staff good talks uh before and after the game and pretty much just went home after that but uh 
yeah, but I, I think he's I think he's trending towards being an Italy line. And, you know, even if you were to decide on November 2nd to not commit, uh, this is this is looking like Penn State's player to lose. So they they need some, uh, you know, offensive line reinforcements. We Penn State fans have been, you know, howling about that over the yep. last couple of weeks. And uh, he, he would fit that well. Of course, he would be a guard. And so is Alex Birchmeyer. So if they got both, uh, that allows them to really kind of start s- shifting their focus a little bit more towards tackle. Yeah. Uh, Chase Basantis. I, I thought Chase was actually uh, a guard. And I started digging a little bit more this week. And Penn State looks at him as a tackle. Uh, Luke Montgomery is another tackle. Evan Link's a tackle. Uh, so those those three are kind of the ones I have circled at the moment. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens here with Josh. Uh, I think he's trending towards Penn State, though. This is our, our – I think this is our third show talking about him specifically from when you said keep an eye out for this guy to then he's coming mm-hmm. to the Illinois game to now. So I did some – film watching on him just in case so quick preview in case this does happen for Penn State um the run game help is coming <laughs> like mm-hmm. I I have no doubt whatsoever that this is an emphasis for Phil Troutwine with the number of guys that he's recruited that have a similar build mold mentality to what Joshua Miller brings to the table uh but he very much is a guy that if you watch his highlights he looks like one player, but to, you you really need to, and this is with most offensive linemen, you need to watch the full game to get the context there, and he very much mm-hmm. is that. But the run game stuff is legit. So I, I thought Penn State fans would like to hear that on a Friday going into a game against Ohio State, where, again, <laughs> that's going to be a topic of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. We'll get into that pick a little later and where I stand with that. But uh, I, I'm super interested to hear what yeah. you have to say about the game because I've been getting only, uh, I don't want to say like negativity as in like, you know, Nate Bauer and uh, and Dave Eckert are like down on Penn State or just they're, they're being very realistic in the current sense about Penn State football. So I want to get your perspective because I feel like you don't always align right with lockstep of, of the, of the common <laughs> perception. So I'm Nate excited and I are to get to that. the opposite on everything. We yeah. talk about that all the time. I think that's why we're a good team, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit here. We'll, let's sit on recruiting first before people get mad at us. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was uh, what the recruiting first. And, and uh, with that, something else you talked about with Greg Pickle on the BWI Recruiting and Football Podcast was Jordan Allen. This news broke last weekend where you, you, were, you were on top of this stuff with Jordan Allen, the uh, Louisiana native decommitting from Penn State. Um, just a quick recap of the events there, but I really want to focus on the projection going forward because I think there's mm-hmm. some really interesting topics and conversation with that part, not necessarily of what happened. But give us the quick uh, breakdown of how it yeah. all came together. Oh, it just it went under the radar a little bit uh, just because it happened Saturday morning right before Penn State's game. And we were basically kind of asked <laughs> to not be pumping this out everywhere just because it was kind of a mutual decision, I guess, to part ways, mm-hmm. um, you know, usually. And that, and that's why they, he didn't really tweet it out till Monday or anything. He wanted to take the visit and, and Penn State kind of wanted to go under the radar a little bit. So that's why we just put it up on message boards and that was the end of it. But yeah, I mean, just it's really simple that the player didn't really tell them he was taking a visit. Uh, he had the option to not take the visit. And it looked like maybe at one point that that was going to happen. You know, Thursday night, I was under the impression that that visit wasn't going to take place. Uh, And then Friday, things changed a little bit. I assume they had a second phone call. And that's kind of where Penn State decided, well, that's fine. You can do that. But we're going to start pursuing other guys as well. So I I, I get the impression that Penn State's moved on there. I mean, I don't want to completely say that he's not really in the mix. But um, I'd give it a very low chance that he would be back in this class. So, uh, 
you know, it's it's a miss to some degree, but because uh, Spencer didn't want to lose him, but uh, right. Yeah, right. the, the, they have other they have other needs, I think, that are a little more important than defensive back. And I think that's why it makes it a little easier for them to make this decision. Yeah. And, and it's always important to kind of keep these things. You never want to lose a talented defensive back because that mm-hmm. position, the number of players you got to play is is high, obviously. But Penn mm-hmm. State already added a couple young guys with scholarship eligibility left with Johnny Dixon and A.J. Litton in the transfer portal. They'll be bringing back Daquan Hardy. And depending on what Joey Porter Jr. does, they could be bringing him back as well. Well, so that is a strong position. Of course, haven't even mentioned Kalen King, but in general, mm-hmm. that position, you, I feel like it's kind of like receiver. There are so many of them that you need a lot of them, but there is also a lot of them. So on a commitment, yeah. st- on a sting factor of one to five, what is the sting of losing Jordan Allen mm. at this point? Good question. Two. I would think yeah. it's two. I mean, because like you don't want to lose the guy. But he, you know, he wasn't one of those players in the class who you just absolutely can't lose. You know, if they were to lose a Singleton, a Caden Saunders, a Drew Alar, any, any of those kind of guys, you, you would, um, you know, they, that'd be a four or five to me. Um, now, he is a talented player that they really wanted. And and this is somebody who Penn State, pers- I want to say pursued early because he had a bunch of offers. But uh, it felt like a lot a lot of schools were basically just trying to figure out how fast he is. That, that yep. was the only question that a lot of these schools had because yep. he had so-so um, I think he went to a one or two camps and had like a four or eight ish 40 and it kind of scared some people. Yeah. Uh, but it, but his 100 meter time was also not, it still wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. And that's kind of what led Penn state to, to take him in the first place. But I mean, the guy, the guy is a good player. Uh, yep. it's just like, he doesn't have all those like physical intangibles that, uh, you know, makes, make some guys, you know, rank really highly, uh, up on, up on some of these lists, but you know, he, he's definitely a, a quality defensive back and, and, you know, knows how to play press coverage really well. I think that's what one thing that stood out to Penn state quite a bit, but, you, uh, you've I mentioned- would say just a two, I mean, you you've mentioned too and i was just going to piggyback off what you just said there is he he's an he grew up an lsu fan you've mentioned this a bunch of times he plays like an lsu defensive back the question he as does. you pointed out yeah. is does he have the speed of an lsu defensive back mm-hmm. and and that you know i think with cam miller in the no. class and everything the that they that have is no no he doesn't so and that are, and that's why lsu didn't offer i believe yep. you know because they they liked a lot of other things he visited many times there so they clearly liked him but that's what scared them off i believe so yeah, so that opens up some of the conversations we've had a little bit, and the answer is still always this class is full. But mm-hmm. there's always a conversation to be had. There's always some negotiating mm-hmm. to be had. And you've been very high, and you talked about this in your mailbag up today at bwi.rivals.com, about transfers and maybe not necessarily adding another player on top of the guys they're pursuing already. So how are you looking at mm-hmm. the at the projection of where this scholarship would go and kind of the balance of those two things? Well, I'll put it this way. I've talked to three people about it, and two of the three said they prefer to save it for a transfer. Okay, so yeah. you know this is always when you have a big staff like this and then you add in the recruiting staff, this is a decision being made by – you know, 20 people basically. And then they come together and, and I don't want to say it's just the majority wins, you know, obviously Franklin <laughs> has a bigger hand on where they go than everybody else. But, you know, there's definitely some people within lash who believe that, you know, saving this for a transfer is the right move. Now, with that said, we need, to, we have to figure out the outgoings until the yeah. out, we know who's outgoing. We're, we're trying to project a bunch of numbers that <laughs> you were all just guessing in it to some degree, yep. you know? So you, if you use the average of what Penn state sees every year, this is pretty much where they're at. I mean, I, they're, they're, 
you know, if you add in the, everybody in the class and, and you take out the seniors and whatnot, I mean, they're projected to be up into the 90s for a scholarship. Now, of course, they're going to have a handful of guys leave, and that's where you get it down to 87, 86. And if you have a few more guys, then you get it down to 85, 84, 83, and that's where you could potentially still add guys. So uh, I think ideally, uh, I, I put it this way, I don't think anything's going to change with Penn State's pursuit in 2022, guys. You know, we, we know about Emil Wagner. We know about Jay Sean Barham. We know about Larry Turner Gooden. Uh, there's probably one or two other guys. I'm not thinking off the top of my head, but uh, you know they're, they're still going to be very selective with who they who they target here. And then uh, you know really kind of need to see what happens there in December. And and really this is going to go into January probably with the guys outgoing. And then mm-hmm. that's when you get into that January period where it's like, well, if there's any top talent left, you pursue that for 2022 class. And and if and if they don't like what they see there. Uh, then they can they can look towards a, a transfer too. So, but it's just so many questions. You know, you, yeah, who who goes into the portal? You know, so that, many that moving the, parts. That was the big thing last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. many moving parts when it comes to uh, not only the early signing period. You're right, but the, the late signing period. How many transfers declare when? And then how many guys mm-hmm. de- declare for the NFL draft? And and mm-hmm. I, you know, this is something Nate brought up a couple weeks ago that. Uh, what does PJ Mustafer's injury do in terms of the scholarships that you were kind of pegging wouldn't be there? And that's, that's mm-hmm. another thing you got to consider now, but you know, all that math is yet to be determined, but I guess that kind of answers my question, but I kind of, I'm going to ask you anyway, what sort of stretch run is Penn state uh, in for at this point when it comes to the December early signing period proper when the pursuit of some of these guys you've mentioned i know every week it's mm-hmm. jay sean barham Mill wagner and then a couple of other guys kind of i guess what are you looking at when it comes to the stretch run of is it just keeping the guys in the class or is it a very serious we're going to add well, somebody else of these top players yeah well keeping the guys in the class has to be number one especially right. with all these rumors right now uh that that is uh clearly the top target and that would have been the main goal i guess you would say even even if uh you know none of this USC LSU talk existed right now, but uh, you know, de- definitely making sure that everybody who is signed so- or who is planning to sign signs, but then also the guys who are planning to enroll early are still targeted to do that. You know, there, there's some guys who, um, you know, I know are curious to see what happens here with Franklin just because they plan to enroll early. So they have to sign December 15th. And uh, you know, if, if something were to change with him, you know, you, you're talking about a couple weeks there before they're supposed to literally enroll at school. So yeah, definitely keeping everybody on board is the main thing. You know, one guy I didn't mention earlier is Julian Armella, uh, top mm-hmm. offensive tackle prospect. He's a, he's a five-star player, one of the top guys in the country. Uh, I believe he's a legacy of Florida state. So that's kind of why few people believe Florida state's the favorite there. He's from St. Thomas Aquinas down in Miami. Uh, look, Penn State's probably a long shot here, but there is a, some talk recently that he's considering an official visit to Penn State. So it's something to keep an eye on, I think, here in the weeks and months ahead. I don't know if it'll be for Michigan. That's kind of an answer I've been trying to figure out is could he be here uh, in two weeks? And no one's really given me an answer for that. But there seems to be a bit of a relationship going there uh, with, with Phil Troutwine, and it's just a player that people have mentioned that I need to keep an eye on. So, you know, you can add him to the mix with that. Um, but, like – Dude, if you were to get Jay Sean Barham, which makes the class 27, because you got to include Spencer Rowland in that, yep. uh, I think they're very happy with that. And then, you know, you, you see what happens uh, with the outgoing transfers and then just take it from there. So this this class was always supposed to be 24, 25-ish. Like, in, in a, if you would ask me this months and months and months ago, uh, and then they were able to add some guys that they felt, uh, you know, they had to add, and that's that's where you find yourself at now. You're, you're, you're basically uh, – 
it's estimated, I guess, that they they will be over that number a little bit, and that's that's why they gotta they they, they gotta figure out the outgoings. I just can't trust yep. that enough. Yep. Put it that way, and and, and it, it puts a lot of this stuff into I think context when it comes to they're expecting transfers. This is mm-hmm. it's now oh, become sure. a the attrition. This is part of the math, and that's something that you can't overlook, and you've got to kind of plan for that and they don't seem like they really want to go into the transfer portal a lot so that would be Mm -hmm. kind of you kind of answered one of my other questions that i wasn't even going to ask today of like do you think that they're really changing their perception of the transfer portal and how selective they want to be but uh it it seems like with this the size of this class that kind of answers some of those questions is that fair just quick yes or no i will also say though that the play of arnold ebiketti and Derek tangelo i mean hasn't been like a lead or anything but he's been solid like i I do feel like there's a little bit of a shifting there on on how much uh transfers can help i've just had one or two talks with people who um i think they want to they want to be harder on the transfer portal if that makes sense moving forward so but it's it's, you know this is still a a new thing for all these schools so they, they just it's going to be one of those things where every year you learn something new and, and you learn the benefits and the negatives of, of it. And, you know, it'll fluctuate. And then you also just have the, well, who the hell's in the portal? You know, that, that, that right. has a, that had a big impact on, on the quarterback situation last year. They would have, they wanted to absolutely add a person, but it was either guys that are too good who absolutely have no chance of coming here because they want to be guaranteed to be the starter and Penn State couldn't do that. Or guys who, um, you know, uh, just didn't fit that backup mold, I guess you would say. You know, yeah. they they would be competing with Taquan Roberson and Christian Veyu, and it didn't make sense to to add somebody who they didn't think, uh, you know, could really compete with Clifford. So there just there wasn't that middle ground person who was willing to compete, and oh by the way, would be an experienced backup that you know would would slide right in for Will Levis. So there's just no so Nick, many variables. There's no Nick that. Foles, is what I keep saying. Like no. you, you didn't find no the Nick guy Foles, who's won. Yeah. There's no there's no Jalen Hurts who won a national championship. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll come and be your your one of your rotational quarterbacks, maybe. Like, maybe I'll get mm-hmm. a starting spot. That that guy doesn't usually exist on the college football level. One last question before we get to your best bets. This is something that you talked about again on the recruiting podcast, which you should always make sure you're subscribed to the Blue White Illustrated Podcast Network so you can get the BWI Daily Edition. You can get our live shows after they've been completed, we upload an audio version of so those for the post game show. <laughs> the BWI so live is live, what they're called, but you can get a replay of them. Yeah. yeah, we should call it the yeah. BWI Sorry. replay then. But you're right. Uh, yeah. Our post game yeah. shows and our Monday yeah. show both show up as podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and you download those or catch it live after Penn State yeah, and Ohio State. Tom Hannafin and I are going to be breaking down the game and uh, possibly consoling you, or Tom will be celebrating with you if Penn State is- pulls the upset. Is Tom going to be with you the rest of the season? I, I believe he's, so. Like, he's had some play con duties. I, I thought so too. He's been awesome. So I just was yeah. curious. That's all. Uh, he'll be here he's for this great. one. And I always, because, because his schedule can be a little bit unpredictable at times. I never, I never project out. I always make sure that we yeah, have a, that conversation. Uh, but yes, he'll be here for Ohio state. And I don't believe there are any other games for the rest of the season that he's going to be on assignment for. So we should awesome. be in tow for the rest of the season. And that's going to make that show awesome. Uh, my last question. I cut you off. Go ahead. My last question for you is on Tuesday on the recruiting pod back before my promo, you were saying that the James Franklin rumors and the James Franklin news about the agent and everything that was swirling around the beginning of the week. Uh, Nate Bauer wrote an article about James Franklin and his tenure at Penn state and kind of filling in the context of what James said after Wednesday's practice, given what James said on Wednesday and what he said on Tuesday and what Nate wrote. 
Do you think that had any effect to clear up anything with the families of committed recruits or does it still feel kind of uh, a little uneasy for them? Oh, put me on the spot there. Um, I'd be lying if I said I don't think a couple guys are curious. Okay. Uh, I'll say that. I, I would say I, I still feel the vast majority of this class is pretty much as locked in as you can absolutely ask them to be. Um, but there, there's definitely a couple guys who, like, I, I believe that they genuinely do believe what, what Franklin's been telling them off the record or, you know, or in their private conversations, I should say, which is that, you know, facilities and all that uh, are the main goal. And, and I do believe that is the main goal. Uh, uh, upping that budget is is has always been his priority. But but just what happens if he's not satisfied satisfied with where that ends, uh, you know, when, when we get into uh, really just a couple of weeks from now? Because I'm sure there's talks behind the scenes that there has to be uh, with with how much uh, attention this has gotten. So, you know, that's, that's where I think that the door he's leaving the door open for a reason. You know, I, do I believe that he's 70 out and 30 in? No, I don't. Um, and, and I still think that he's more in than out, but just the fact that there is a potential for an out, you know, has to grab guys attention. So right. the, the good thing I would say about this class is a lot of the, a lot of the guys are, are pretty, you know, there's, it's a heavy Pennsylvania class, you know, so you have a, a good chunk of guys who I think are coming to Penn state no matter what. Um, but you know, there, there also are some top guys sprinkled from all over that, you know, if you lose Franklin and, and those players who never really had any tie to the program, except for Franklin and the coach that they've gotten to know who, you know, I would assume the good chunk of the staff would follow him if, if he were to leave, uh, that that's where you'll, you, you would probably find the guys who are, are a little more curious than not. So there, there's no, there's no real, sorry, I didn't put my phone on silent ESPN just sent me something that's your, um, your insider there's no, phone there's no, let's just say that there's no black or white you know and I, right. I can't just stress that enough it's so gray it's yeah i can i can point out 10 guys that i think would not go anywhere um but you know there's 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 guys behind the scenes who definitely are, are trying to figure this out one thing i will be curious to see is just with the early enrollee guys okay uh, i kind of hit on that earlier just you know, I think that adds a little more pressure to the, to the, to the group of guys who were, were planning to enroll early uh, just because, uh, you know, they, they've – with the way their high school has been scheduled and all their classes, like they're going to be done in, in a couple weeks as it is. You know, their courses yeah. are set. Their credits are done. Uh, so just that adds a little bit more pressure of like what am I getting into here and would I have to pump the brakes on that and potentially look around more. So th- that would be the group of guys that I think have a little more – uh, to, to watch here. Um, but also a good chunk of those guys are, you know, among the players who I think are locked into Penn state, the university more so than just the coaching staff. So again, not black, not white, a lot of gray. That's the best way I can put it. And, and we've got four or five weeks to, to see how it all plays out. Uh, that makes it for an exciting and dramatic show for everyone to follow along. Kind of like Game of Thrones before you got to the end. All the characters are good, they're bad, they're in the middle. It's fantastic until the writing was terrible. Uh, so that's what we're in for for the next couple of weeks, and it should be a wild ride. Are you ready? Speaking of a wild ride. <laughs> I hate drama though in this job. Drama in this job is not fun. Uh, yeah, you know, you you have June and July where it's like crazy busy, and you know that's. Like the, the only for me, just from my perspective of, you know, the only thing that's fun, I guess, is obviously it's good for business. But then, you know, you're like, well, at least you got a lot of that stuff out of the way. You know, you can start shifting your focus to the new class uh, and getting to know those guys. And then if you just light a dynamite stick in there and blow it all up, like it just it, it you know, my wife's already like think I'm, you know, down in this basement too much. Like uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to have some serious issues if half the class leaves. That's not going to be fun. Well, anyway, on that note. Nice. 
are you ready for Ryan Snyder's best bets? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, what are, what are we at now? But pull it up. What are we? Here at? we go. I'm 500 still. I just. Yeah, uh, 22 and 22 on the season, and three and three okay. last week. Yeah, one of these weeks I'll I'll break out of 500. I just been 500 like four and three, three and four, four and three, three and three. Like it just I feel like I'm just sitting at 500. Uh, but year, three of so. uh, the last three weeks you've been 500 or better, so there have been no losing yeah. weekends over the last couple weeks. So I think you're on the right track, and we got a good crop of games here. We've got North Carolina, Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State, Florida versus Georgia, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. That'll be an interesting one. Ole Miss, Auburn, mm-hmm. Texas at Baylor, and of course Penn State at Ohio State. That's our list today, Ryan. We will start with you on North Carolina, Notre Dame. I'm fascinated to see where mm-hmm. you're going in this one i'm going with the tar heels uh getting Ooh. four in south bend um I, I think i have a couple contrarian plays this week um north carolina's hard to read and i'll be the first to, to admit yep. that uh but notre dame's offense isn't great and i just look they're missing kyle hamilton notre dame and and he is their star of their defense and I, and i do believe that not just missing him as a player but missing him as a leader uh, especially in that secondary. Uh, now you're facing Sam Howe, who, yes, he's been up and down. You know, yep. I'm not going to pretend that uh, he's had an awesome season. But uh, one guy I've really been paying attention to uh, from North Carolina is Joshua Downs, who actually was a Pennsylvania or Penn State target at one point. You know, there was a, a couple of years ago we we thought he was going to end up here, but uh, he ended up in North Carolina. Uh, but he's been killing it last three weeks, man. 385 yards receiving over the last three games, uh, and maybe the stat I like the most with North Carolina is that they've rushed for 592 yards. Uh, over their past couple games. So yeah. their offense is, seems to be clicking a little bit better. Josh Downs is making some big plays. Um, you know, like I said, Hal's remained up and down. I mean, you look at his stats, you know, a little more, um, you know, 50% completion rate than you like. You know, you like to yeah. see that up in the mid-60s or so. But He was a guy uh, specifically I just, that I was interested to see this year when it comes to his NFL prospects because he had mm-hmm. so much talent around him. All the way down to Daz Newsom, who was like a fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. He was their slot receiver. They, Yeah, I loved watching that team because they had so many weapons. And this year, it seems like getting those weapons up to speed has been bit of a problem and Sam Howell has suffered because of that which I think says mm-hmm. something about like his ability to elevate an offense but you think in this situation yeah. he's the better play than the Notre Dame offense is is that yeah. basically what I'm saying what I'm hearing um I think there was I just like I guess it really comes down to is I just think North Carolina needs this game and Notre Dame like all year we know Notre Dame is not great but they're getting by in these games just trickling by yeah and when you just look at North Carolina you look at their remaining schedule you look at what's ahead of them like yes they're not going to have an elite season or anything but they can still uh, you know get it to get to one of the better ACC bowls and I, I just feel like Notre, Notre Dame is going to drop a game here at some point you know they have Navy and I believe Virginia still. Um, and when I just look at the rest of their schedule, um, this just feels like the the one that makes the most sense. Um, now, yeah, they had a rivalry game last week. USC's not great, so I don't want to put a ton of stock into that. But I do yeah. just feel like this is kind of, you know, this could be a, a game where, you know, Notre Dame's caught a little bit of flat-footed. And, and I think just North Carolina really needs this one. So I'll take four uh, with, with UNC. One other thing I'll say is, and I have a couple plays like this, uh, a lot of sharp betters are on North Carolina this week, mm-hmm. and and the public's kind of heavily towards Notre Dame. Uh, I know you like to call me a sharp. I'm 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 a baby shark. If that if anything, <laughs> baby, sh- baby, baby sharp. sharp. I like that. Dude, I, look at my house over here. It's, it's filled with kid toys. But uh, a baby sharp. Uh, did I, I did you I'm did we talk about that? Player. Because I was singing baby sharp in my head earlier this week. Is that just we had a telepathic know, moment? Because that's phenomenal. Yeah, probably. <laughs> 
I, dude, I'm seeing Baby Shark and, uh, you know, Blippy and all this stuff in my head every day, really, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, to, to the point, though, I just uh, – this is a play that it seems like a lot of sharp bettors are pulling. And I have a couple others this week where that was kind of – there's something I've been monitoring this week. I'm trying to find ways to, to have like a five and two kind of week. And I was like, well, let's just, let's see what the sharps are on this week. And uh, this is, this is one that's, um you know, have, heavy on their, heavy on their list. So give me the Tar Heels plus four up in South Bend. Speaking of another one that is a, a closely contested game between two teams that I think Penn State fans are going to be very interested in watching. We have Michigan at Michigan State, Michigan minus four on the road versus the Spartans. What are you seeing in this one? I don't have a lot of analysis on this one. I just Jim uh, Harbaugh struggles against his rivals, man. He's yep. always struggled against Michigan State. Always struggled against Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State pulled the upset last year. I think they're a lot better team now. And while I do believe Michigan's better too, I don't know if they're as good as their record has shown. I mean, Michigan State has, has played a little bit of a better schedule so far. Uh, if you look at the um, crossover opponents, you know, Michigan State's kind of beat those guys a little bit better than Michigan has. You know, I'm not, not going to pretend that means a whole lot. But yeah, this this is just one of those gut ones more than like I can point to this stat or that stat um, until Harbaugh starts beating these guys regularly. And, and you know, by that, I mean, Michigan State and, and Ohio State, I'll, I'll, I'll stay on the Spartans. So give give me the Spartans plus four at home yet, too. Um, you know, I, I like that. I will say I also like the under in this one, 51, I believe, you know, both really heavy run teams. Yeah, I believe it's supposed to be raining a good bit, too. So that that may Shocker. have a, a little bit of an impact. Yeah, right. Um, so I, my, my play is Michigan State plus four. Uh, but 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 the under 51, I like too. the reason I didn't put under 51 is it seems like everybody is on under 51 in this game. And, yeah, you know, usually I try to go the opposite because uh, well, michigan smart, state can be explosive <laughs> that's the thing is michigan state can yeah. be explosive so that's one thing I, I would look out for too they're really strong on special teams too yep. so you know yep. that, that that'd be something to watch but uh yeah man just just give me michigan state plus four until harbaugh starts beating his rivals i'll, I'll roll with the, the uh the other team this is a good pre-scouting game and one that i'm going to go back to later because i i don't know a ton i watched a little bit of the wisconsin game where with uh wisconsin michigan Aiden Hutchinson is phenomenal, and they always have a really good defensive line. But I don't Best know defensive end in college football right now. Yeah, 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 and that's that. I think so. I, I think that's fair. Uh, the South Carolina kid, um, I forget his last name, uh, but he he's been phenomenal too. Those okay. two guys, I think, are in the conversation for sure. Uh, and I don't think you could go wrong either way. I, I've only ever seen Hutchinson. I haven't seen the kid from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. I just I know he's putting up bananas numbers. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't know about the dominance of the defense overall. Because Michigan, when they are at their best, they do have that suffocating defense. Um, and I, I just, Which happened I, like two years under Don Brown, and then it, <laughs> then it blew all up in their face. But yeah, right. go on. Because, you, well, you need like you need elite players in the secondary, and they've been able to get defensive linemen forever, you know, going back to Rashawn Gary. I just don't know that they can get mm -hmm. the secondary players to play that, which they're not playing it anymore. But, you know, I guess my question is, I don't know if they're the dominant force back to front that uh, mm -hmm. that that they need to be, but that's one of those. I'm going to put a pin in this game because I want to go watch it again for a pre-scout for Penn State later in the season. So that's just, it's mm -hmm. going to be an interesting measuring stick game for uh, Michigan in general. Next one, Florida versus Georgia. Florida, a two-touchdown favorite at home. Are we going for the cover here with the Bulldogs being as dominant as they are? Over. 
over 50 and a half okay. here. Um, so just when you look at Georgia's schedule so far, um, they haven't faced too many explosive offenses. And I, I do believe that Anthony Richardson can uh, have some success against them. Uh, he's he's one of the best players in all of college football when it comes to completing passes over 20 yards. So the, the thing with Richardson is that they're, I think they're, is it Emory Jones, their other quarterback that they're playing a good bit? Like they're yeah. just, they haven't given him, you know, the, the keys of the offense. And I'm sure there's a reason for that. And I don't know if they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do that this weekend, but um, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I guess, I think it's going to be hard for Florida to run the ball. So, so I see them throwing the ball a good bit here. You know, that, that helps for the under or it helps for the over uh, Bo Nix actually has some success against stretching the field for Georgia. And, and, and now Georgia's missing Tyke Smith. I think he's been out for a week or two now and, and, you know, missing a couple guys, I believe in their secondary and, and it, it's a young secondary now. So that's, that looks like the, the one weakness of Georgia. Uh, and then, Look at Florida's defense, man. I mean, Todd Grantham is absolutely going to get fired after this end of the year. I think that's that's inevitable. He's yeah. going to be looking for a new job, um, you know. So, so I expect Georgia to get a couple couple explosive plays. I mean, I could definitely see this being, you know, Georgia in the 30s, uh, you know, Florida somewhere in the 20s. So, yeah, give me the over 50 and a half. This is another one of those sharp plays that uh, I, I've been following this week. That, that another one where um, I, I wouldn't say the the public's heavy on the under. But just this is this is one where a lot of sharps have been playing it up uh, all, all week. So give me the over 15 and a half. And uh, this would, this should be fun. I, I actually liked Florida plus 14 a little bit, too. Uh, and then I, I end up going with the over just because um, some people in Vegas who know more than me are, are going with that one. But uh, but I don't I don't mind Florida getting points this week, too, that, you know, they're, they're coming off a bye week and. Um, you know, they always usually play Georgia pretty tough here. So uh, either of those I like, but I'll, I'll go with 50 and a half uh, for my play. So for our next game, we have the uh, former Penn State quarterback transfer bowl. I'll throw it up here because we have current uh, former Penn State quarterback Will Levis at Kentucky against Mississippi State, the former home of Tommy Stevens. So what do you got in this pick game here? What are you looking at? Yeah, just another one. It's the sharp mold. Um, so first off, uh, the home team always wins this game. Uh, I think that's six or seven years going back now. And, you know, I, I'm not a huge trend person, but, uh, you know, it, it does seem to to, to be something there. Uh, so that, that, that grabbed my attention. Um, but I think this line says a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of the public is 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 looking at Kentucky this week, uh, and I know that's that's you know the the good bit of the money is just kind of uh, everyday people playing it, and then a ton of the sharp money is on Mississippi State. So this is kind of one of those pros versus Joes kind of game, if you know what yeah. I mean by that. Where yeah. uh, you know, uh, you I think look at Kentu- the line and it, Kentucky is the team that I think people know their identity. Like people feel comfortable exactly. knowing exactly what Kentucky is, which is why they yeah. probably feel comfortable that way. And, and they saw Mississippi State get romped by Alabama a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, not that, you know, Alabama wouldn't romp Kentucky, too. But, yeah. uh, but but you know, and the Kentucky or Mississippi State played Vanderbilt last week. They romped them. I think that was maybe kind of good for their confidence. But just when you look at this line, I, I think it, to a lot of people it doesn't make sense. And and to me, whenever I see those kind of lines, uh, you, 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 you go with what Vegas is kind of telling you here. So, um, you know, I, I think Will Levis is a good quarterback. He's not a world beater. If Mississippi State can somehow try and, um, you know, corral Rondell, Rondell, was it, was, was Rondell's one, last name? Wandale? Yeah, Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson, yeah. Okay. Oh, I was I saying Rondell more. I'm thinking of the Rond- new guy. Yeah, Wandale Robinson. He was Robinson. last night. Um, which, yeah, by the way, yeah, they have a yeah. terrible plan of how to use Rondale. I'm not a fan of them using him basically as a perimeter running back. Not a mm-hmm. fan. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Christian Kirk with them, but uh, go on. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just give me Mississippi State here. I think this line looks a little funky, and uh, Vegas is trying to tell you something here that uh, Kentucky's due for a setback. 
uh, you know, like I said, the home team always seems to kind of come out on top on this one. So I'll, I'll keep rolling with that trend. And uh, people in Vegas seem to think Mississippi State's the play. Uh, you know, I, I, I trust you as our sharp. I will never put money on a Mike, Mike Leach team. Uh, I know. You tell me this every time. <laughs> 54 points one week, 12 the next. Like just it's the yeah. nature of the offense he runs that if you can cover the the air raid offense, they literally have no other way to win. And he will yep. not bow to any sort of change in system or schematics and it has nothing to do with their talent it is entirely system based and i don't i I genuinely don't know how kentucky matches up and that Mm -hmm. to me is why this is a pick'em game is like whoo there are too many variables here if kentucky might be not as good as their record and mississippi state is the least predictable team in all of college football because of mike i'm predicting a i'm (laughs) predicting a rally let's go (laughs) cowbell Uh, Next one, we have Ole Miss at Auburn. Auburn getting less than a touchdown at home as the two-point favorite. What are you looking at here? Uh, This this is not very similar to the last game where, like, why is Auburn favored? You know? So, yeah, I'll take Auburn. Is Matt Corral not Um, playing? Because that lie was a lie last week when he played. Yeah, well, I mean, he's definitely – there is – I do believe he's banged up because, I mean, if you look at um, Ole Miss's offense in the last couple weeks, they're not – they're not clicking on the kind of level they were. And, and one, they're missing their best offensive linemen. And I believe they're missing two skilled players too. I think one of them is questionable for this week. Okay. Uh, I wish I would have wrote down those names, but I, I did I did read up on that. Uh, but, dude, look, this is another thing that's interesting to me. Look at Ole Miss's schedule the past weeks. At Alabama, at yep. home versus Arkansas, at Tennessee, at home versus LSU. I mean, I know um, – you know, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU aren't are crazy, but like they're they're all pretty physical teams. I, I think you know, Competitive I think now again. going to Auburn, yeah, all all were competitive games. Um I just think this is a tough spot. I mean, Ole Miss had their bye week incredibly early in the season, mm-hmm. and you know, five five weeks after that kind of play, uh, I think I think it's gonna hurt. And, and you're seeing that a little bit with the injuries. So uh I, I also think Auburn's excellent at running the ball. And and Penn State fans saw that up close with Tank Bigsby and Ole Miss's defense, while they've gotten better. They can't stop the run, and that's that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Yep. And oh, by the way, Auburn's won four straight in this series. So um, you know, give me the home team minus two. Uh, just like I said, I think Matt Corral's a little banged up, and then when you're missing a couple other guys, they just don't seem to be clicking on that level that they were. So uh, as I, I think Bo Nix season is that? Uh, so I, th- I hear that on like a podcast or two. It's it's Bo Nix season. So you know, he's either he's either incredible or terrible. But usually like late October, November, he, he comes up with these with these big wins. So yeah, um, Bo Nix season, baby. Give me give me Auburn <laughs> minus two. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So I thought there was something interesting when I was watching a little bit of the Alabama Ole Miss game where the the broadcast crew was saying when they talk to the Alabama coaching staff, they're 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 built to stop the spread. And while we have spread, we can run power and they can't stop mm-hmm. power. And I think that is a mm-hmm. fair assessment of how Auburn plays is their spread team, but they can play with power. And I just don't see from what I saw of that Ole Miss defensive line, they're in a similar situation to Penn State as far as their ability to stop the yeah. run. And part of it is schematic. Yep. Um, I don't think it's it's a clearly not the same advantage that Alabama has, but just Auburn and the, the the nastiness of their run game, what they can do with that that backfield with Bigsby, I, I think you're right to say that there's an advantage there. Uh, so uh, yeah. quick recap on that because uh, I think I, I lost it. What what's your play here? Auburn minus two. Okay, so great. just just give me the home team here. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Texas at Baylor. Baylor with a touch, uh, field goal favorite at home. So they got the home field mm-hmm. advantage. What are you looking at in this game? Texas, another team that's been super predictable this year, huh? Yeah. So 
and I'm going with Texas. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> no, so but- I also like the under here. So I'm really torn on this one. Uh, okay. I, re- I, I, I really like the under, but part of me saying to play Texas. So I like – I'm going to let you know what. We're, let's include both of them. Okay. And I normally don't ever do that. I don't like taking two sides in a game. But I'll count both of these towards my record next week. So give okay. me Texas plus three and under 61. Uh, this game always goes under, man. Uh, it's like eight years in a row that this game has fallen under. And I'm, 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 I'm heavy on trends this week. Um, but you know, it's, it's been like substantially under in quite a few games too. And I know that it's, it's a new offense with Sarkeesian. I get that that's a major difference now. Um, but, but I also just feel like, uh, you know, Texas can control the, the run game a bit, uh, you know, with Bijan and then, and, and Texas cannot stop the run either. They're another one of those teams where, uh, they're really struggling to stop teams, uh, you know, and, you know, two, three yards there. A lot of teams, I forget what their averages. It's like, I think it's high fours, but, uh, so Baylor should be able to run the ball a good bit. Uh, but there's also a couple of reasons I like Texas here too. I mean, they're off back-to-back losses now that they should have won. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that makes this a huge spot for Texas. But then when you also look at the schedule and what's coming up, uh, Oklahoma state, Iowa state and Baylor are the three teams that they have to, that are ahead of them, you know, that, that would keep Texas out of that uh, championship game. And of course in the big 12, it's not by divisions. It's just the top two get there. Yep. Well, they have Baylor and they have Iowa state next week. So they have a lot to play for still. Oklahoma State just lost to Iowa State. They still have to play Oklahoma. So, you know, Texas uh, Texas has a real path still to getting to the Big 12 championship game. And I think it'll start this week for them. Uh, so it's really all about the Texas defense, man. I mean, they at times they've – well, actually, no, not at any time. They've, they've sucked all year. But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to God that they, they somehow um, – change some things. I just think that over 61 number is a little too high. It should be, uh, you know, high, high fifties maybe uh, okay. for that one. And I don't know. I'm just winging it, I guess with, with that, with the, you know, hoping that Texas's defense plays a little bit better, but I, I'm going to do uh, yeah, Texas plus three under 61. And now that I took both, it'll probably just go one and one. So, yeah. so we'll, re- we'll recap the picks before we get to the game of the week. You got North Carolina, Notre Dame. Would we go with there quickly? Oh, North Carolina, Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, plus four, North Carolina. Um, give me uh, give me Michigan State, plus four. Uh, give me the over in Florida versus Georgia, which I believe was, was it 50 and a half? Uh, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Give me Mississippi State uh, as a pick em at home. Give me Auburn, minus two at home as a, as a, as a slight favorite there. And then, yeah, I'll take uh, Texas getting three as well as the under 61. And I will take the over on Florida-Georgia line being played in the Florida Georgia line of Florida Georgia game. <laughs> That'll be played about a hundred different times because oh okay. So that's my pick in there. That'd be a fun game to go to, man. The cocktail party. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It would yeah, I just need significantly less of Brian and whatever his name is during the the, the promos for that. But I understand. I don't listen to the country that much. It's an easy I'm going to reach. Luke Holmes in a month and I know nothing about country. Is Luke Holmes good? Luke Holmes is phenomenal. Yes, awesome. Luke Combs. I'm excited. For, for those of you who don't know, I used to be a country music DJ. Uh, so I was oh, on a country music that. station. Yeah. So Luke Combs is one of the few acts that it's like you gotta go see him. He's truly a talented individual. So that's an awesome one. My okay. wife, yeah, my wife loves him. So we're going to go to Madison Square Garden. I knew nothing. You know, I've oh, heard a couple wow. songs, but yeah. I'm looking excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So I know Kane Brown is coming to town. That one, you know, that's probably a party. But Luke Combs, as far as talented musicians. Ooh, he's he's talented. Last game of the week. This one opened at 17 and a half is now up to 18 and a half. Ohio State favored at home by almost three touchdowns over the Nittany Lions. I said at the beginning of the show, I wanted to hear your opinion on this game. I, I feel like it's going to be different than what I got all week. So give it to me. What are you looking at? 
Well, I, let me let me throw it back at you real quick. What would you okay. do here? I'm just curious first. Oh, I would I would say Penn State is going to cover that but lose. That's where I would go. I think Penn State mm-hmm. can score points, and I have a couple of things that I've been looking at so far this year. I'll just throw this up for you quickly. Uh, this, to me, is the biggest thing, is that C.J. Stroud is not getting pressured at all this season. He's playing very well mm-hmm. under pressure. But uh, Sean Clifford has also not been getting pressure so far this season. And uh, his play under pressure is bad, but from a clean pocket is good. I know mm-hmm. that the defensive tackles are good for uh, for Ohio State, but for once, Penn State's offensive line strengths match up with that, where they have good interior pass blockers. They're going to get theirs, Ohio State, that is. They're going to get their pressures, but from the, from, from the edges of the pocket, I think Sean Clifford's going to be able to escape and roll out and do some of that stuff we've seen him do previously. So I think this offense can at least move the ball, if not score some points. It's a younger secondary you got Jahan Dotson. Keandre Lambert-Smith has been playing well and, and flashing the big playability you need. So I'm banking on a little bit of regression back towards this offense isn't as bad as we've seen. I, I absolutely don't want to believe in being captured in the last two weeks of what we saw at Iowa and Illinois because we've seen more evidence against good teams of them being good. So I don't think Penn State's going to win this game, but I do think they're going to cover that 18 and a half and it will be competitive at least for a good portion of the game. At least offensively. Totally agree. Penn All State right. Plus 18 and a half. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I think I think this team's constructed to 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 try and beat Ohio State. Yep. I mean, that's kind of been their goal. But and, and but the problem is they're not physically there. Yep. You know, so like that's and they're not gonna be able to stop the run. I feel so like a bobblehead. Like I'm under, like, yep. Yeah. So I also <laughs> like under 61 here, and and just like the Texas Baylor game, I'm yep. gonna play both. So we're okay. really gonna have what nine plays this week. So we're we're Whew. throwing the chips in, man. We're we're gonna figure <laughs> it out. We're gonna do nine different plays this week. All right. And I'm doing two two different plays in two games, which is like the dumbest thing. I never do that in real life. But screw it, it's a podcast. Let's go for it. Do but it. I, I like both, and and, I, and I'm trying to figure out a way to you know I lean one or the other, and I've just been torn the whole time. So I, I will go under 61. I do think Penn State will score some points though, um, but I just think 61 is really high. Um, you know. I, Stroud, Stroud's put up some awesome numbers in recent yep. weeks, but dude, yep. Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, yep. Indiana. By the way, Indiana lost like both their starting quarterbacks in that game. So yep. I mean, that was you know that was never going to be uh, you know once once their quarterbacks are out, no one cares. You know, the defense just it, it didn't matter. So yep. I, you know, I, I think we're going to see. 38, 24, something like that. I do think, you know, that, that the offense yeah. will, you know, like you said, Jahan Dotson, passing game will get going. But it's just there's no running game, man. And that's why I can't predict, like, a win or anything like that. And then ex- exactly what you brought up with, with Mustafer, I mean, that, that's just a that's just a major issue. But I also feel like that's why this could stay under, too, because Travion Henderson should, should be able to run the ball a good bit. I mean, I, I would think Penn State's been pretty good this year at bend but not break. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I could see them, you know, running the ball a good bit and holding them to, holding them to a couple field goals, and, and that'll have a, a big impact on what the under is. So, yeah, give me Penn State plus 18 and a half. Give me under 61. Um, you know, I would love for one of these one of these two games where I played both for to, to double dip and have both hit, but it's hard to do, so I don't know why I'm doing it. But so screw it. Let's go. This brings up a really good uh, – something I was talking about a week or two ago. Uh Zoe, my wife, my muse, asks the smartest questions in the world. Fuck muse. She, she Sorry. asked, she Sorry. asked me. Uh, so, why are teams good in the red zone? Like, what does that mean? 
What what makes a good red zone defense? And and I thought about it. And I'm like, well, hmm. And then I explained it to her, and I said, really, what it is is that there is no such thing as a truly good red zone defense. It just means that the offense sucks in the red zone. Most offenses are not good in the red zone because you don't have quarterbacks that throw with anticipation and timing into tight zone windows, or they don't have the wherewithal Mm -hmm. to see the guy on the the trailing on the backside by the goalpost to throw it back across their body. Like They just don't have the juice to score when it's easier on the defense. So really, it's a function of bad offenses. This is not a bad offense. They'll find a way. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, if you bend but don't break, you will get broken in the red zone. It will take some It will take some really bad play by C.J. Stroud in order to do that. And even when he's made mistakes this year, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave just catch the ball anyway. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the bend but don't break So you think thing, over 61. You think I, over 61. I think they're scoring. Yeah, I think that they're going to yeah. score no matter what. If, 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 if Ohio State... Uh, if, if Penn State stacks the box to stop the run and you're putting those corners on islands and you're saying Jaquan Brisker has to break up some passes. It's going to be wa- a hard day for Tariq. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a really hard day for Tariq. I mean, even Joey. Yep. I mean, Joey's the one playing at the higher level. But, I mean, it's a hard day for both of them. But, oh, yeah, they're going to get really burnt. Hard. They're they're going to give up yards if you do that. But you're banking on your offense also scoring. That's the, that's the gambit that you can then win a, a bit of a shootout. But I don't think Penn State's going to do that. I think they're going to play coverage. They're going to allow the run. They're going to invite it. And that's the thing is like mm-hmm. from uh, Bill Rabinowitz was on the show earlier this week, and he said physically from a, from a from a from a play style and a big play potential, Travion Henderson reminds him of Saquon Barkley. So if yeah. he gets if it, Penn State has done a great job of not allowing the big touchdown. I just think that the dam is going to break against good teams eventually, and maybe it won't Mm -hmm. be a touchdown, but it'll be a 50-yard run at some point if Penn State is allowing Mm -hmm. their defensive tackles to get reach-blocked by an offensive line that is bigger, faster, and stronger than most, and this is a team that's down at that position. I just don't see a way you stop the run at all and it doesn't turn into big plays because it's not the kid from Illinois who's good. It, these are super talented players. The only way this doesn't happen is yeah. Master Teague has a big game and they leave him in there. And I don't see that happening yeah. either. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I'm just—I already ran my mouth enough. I got to stick with it now. <laughs> but it's a good point. I won't argue it. <laughs> so, but but I, you know, it's it's going to be one of those games where Penn State, if they score, they can play with it. It'll it'll be a fun game. But I don't know that. I don't know. They're going to get close. Yeah, fun so. game. Eighteen and a half point spread. Yeah, that'll be a great game. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, I, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, everyone loves points. If you're not a Penn State fan, it'll be a fun game. But yeah, I it's Penn State scored ten points in regulation last week. <laughs> I know what I'm we'll saying. See. I know what I'm saying, and I'm not. Listen, just like like you just said, I, I'm not. No, I'm not super confident do, that it, the realities are playing out. I yeah. do think Penn State can get into the twenties. It'll be low twenties, twenty one, twenty four, and and then you you know you gotta, and that's why I do like Penn State plus eighteen and a half. But uh, you know, because I because I also think like, I, like I think they can get a late you know late touchdown or two. Uh, yeah. You know, then maybe they'll be at fourteen uh, in the third quarter, and then they can get a late one to maybe backdoor this. But uh, but but to your point, it hasn't been a track oof. meet for the last couple of years. Uh, was twenty mm-hmm. eighteen when Ohio State stormed back to win? At the whiteout, was that there 2018? Because were... 2019 was was at the shoe, so mm-hmm. it would have to be 2018 yeah, where they they lost that last second game. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone, but that's not good for podcasts. So, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it hasn't the yeah, last couple of years. Couple it hasn't been a, a track meet. 
in any way. Here we go. Here, I got it. 38-25 last year, 28-17 the year before that, 27-26 in 2018, and 39-38 in 2017. That was the one that that Penn State blew out in in Ohio State. So, yeah, it's two and two for overs and unders. Uh, But Penn State has covered three of the last four in these. Uh, You know, they were getting 20 in 2019. They were a three-point favorite in 2018. Um, or no, excuse me. Ohio State was a three-point favorite in in, in uh, 2018, and then uh, yeah, Penn State was getting seven uh, when they went out to Ohio State in 2018 or 2017. So yeah, they didn't cover last year, but they covered the three before that. So yeah. I think I just I do I think 18 and a half is is a is an overreaction um, for yep. to what we saw last week. This spread really should probably be closer to 14, in my opinion. But I love it when people we'll agree with me to end the weekend. <sighs> makes me feel confident. This- makes me feel good. Just how quickly this season has just been flipped on its head, man. It's just right. wild to me. I never saw that coming, you know? Well, the, the Illinois game specifically. Uh, and I don't think we could have seen the injury happen, right? Because, again, mm-hmm. I, I hear well, Penn State I, I, fans. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sean Clifford getting injured, though, was a major, major talking point coming into this because of how much he runs and all that stuff. So, like, Right. But my, but to my, my counter to that is he was in the pocket when he was injured. So, like, they were not yeah, running that, him in situations where he was getting mm-hmm. hit. Like, he was actually doing a good job about that of not taking – bad hits and it was in the pocket that he got injured so that the that's yeah. the part that's a bit fluky even if you look at the hit specifically everyone i think was looking at the shoulder the way he landed but he landed fine and it was just a really big dude hit him with a clean hit in the ribs and like that sucks that they cracked or were bruised or broken whatever they were if that was it I'm, speculating here but yeah i'm that starting it to wonder if it happened. was a hip injury so I don't wonder if it was a hip injury more than more than ribs. Well, just with him not running, like I, that's that's what kind of grabbed my attention last week. But the right. directly not having him run and it and it, it just, you know we're all looking at how he walked off the field. Well, it, a hip injury will have you walk off the field that way too. So just that's just one thing that's been going through my mind in recent weeks is maybe it was a hip injury, not rib injury. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'd be it'd be fun if Penn State can stick in this game and and. Uh, you know, give give fans something to, to watch for on, on Saturday night. But uh, to me, it's, you know, it's all about can you beat Michigan at home? And if you can beat yep. Michigan at home still, you somewhat yep. salvage your season. Uh, and then, yep. you know, who knows where Michigan State will be at in, in four weeks. But, uh, yeah, we, yep. we went from thinking Penn State, this would be the year Penn State can maybe beat Ohio State. <laughs> 18 and a half point underdog. Did not see that coming. Yeah, Just, wow. but, but back to the point that I think we both agree on here is that Penn State is not – Uh, You know, that injury is the reason things have changed, I think, for the most part, Mm -hmm. because we all knew Penn State could not run the ball uh, for the first five weeks of the season. So the injury changed everything. And James Franklin said that that Sean Clifford is going to be 100 percent coming into this game. I think he's going to be 100 percent functional. I don't think he's going to be 100 percent healthy. So Mm -hmm. I am expecting a full on Sean Clifford experience in this particular game. And I, I Sean just think Clifford season. It's Sean Clifford season. <laughs> Sean Clifford season. Yeah. I can't oh think my. of I can't think of a better way uh to go out here on the show today with Sean Clifford season. I love it. That'll do it today for the BWI uh daily edition. Ryan Snyder with me, our recruiting insider and our baby sharp. Thanks, man. Baby shark, do 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 baby shark, do I don't know if we're allowed to. Be- <laughs> I don't want to get talking. us demonetized or anything, so no, we're gonna go true. into the weekend Sorry. that way. <laughs> Got it. Got it.